1: So, Sean, let's get into some questions. We do have a couple super chats here, which I greatly appreciate. We had a couple down here from Milton Fan uh, with for all my questions, and you guys do an excellent job. Thank you. And he said for working on a Saturday. Uh, well, hey man, Saturday's day for college football, baby. I mean, that's afternoon. just kind of what you got to do, right? Uh, Detroit Hunter also with a with one just because we appreciate all of y'all so so very much. Let's get back up here to the top. Christopher Mora had this in before we even started the show with uh, a super chat. Thank you, Christopher, for that says, going into his third year as offensive coordinator, how do you think Tommy Reese has de- developed as a play caller, and how will that help him going into the Ohio State game? So, Sean, in your opinion, how has Tommy Reese evolved and developed? I think he meant evolved, not devolved, because otherwise that would be an insult. I think he meant evolved or de- and developed as an d- offensive coordinator in Notre name, and how is that going to help him against Ohio State?
2: Well, it helps from a simple fact that he has – what he's comfortable with, which is Harry, he's standing in the offensive line. I think that was very important. I think that's the foundation of everything that he wants to do. And if that offensive line is as good as what we've seen and heard from fall camp, I think what you're going to see is what Brian kind of talked about in our first topic run game with the ability to go over the top and Mm -hmm they have that ability they have two players offensively that i don't think anybody can defend and as michael mayor lorenzo styles jr and when you have two players like that they remind me of Kadarius tony and, and uh kyle pitts mm-hmm. you talked about that florida team and what they were able to do against alabama so you know it's an offense and as a play caller I think he's going to be creative. I've seen creativity just watching him in practice and the plays that he's calling and the different things they're doing with their alignments and guys he's trying to put in certain positions. Uh, you see a lot. It goes back to what you're saying. I'll, they're going to be using the full width, width of the field. Right. I'll just say that. They're going to be using the full width of the field and dominating you up front and and, and going over the top. And that's really good to see. I don't know if that directly answers your question, but I think him going to his third year, not having Brian Kelly here, is a challenge. But at the same thing, I think is the best thing for him right now sure. and his
1: maturity process. Sure. My my thoughts on his evolution, Sean, is is kind of interesting, right? He's been a, he's been an offensive coordinator. So this will be his third year, mm-hmm. and in his first two years, he ran two completely different type of offenses out of necessity. <laughs> In two thousand and twenty, they had a very well schemed run game and a pretty mediocre pass game from a production standpoint because they just didn't have great playmaker weapons. Like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben Skronik was a possession receiver, Javon was a good player, you know, but not a guy that, that that's gonna go out and win you a championship as your number one. Mayer was a freshman, he had really good running backs, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, you know, he used those two guys really well. And he had an he had an offensive line coach on the staff that he trusted to help with that stuff, that scheme stuff. And that's Chris Watt. Yeah. Now what people have to remember is, well, Chris Watt was a G8. Chris Watt was also a teammate of Tommy Reese for four years. Yeah. Right. And someone that clearly coach Reese respects, because that's a big reason why he's back now uh, is because of his relationship with Tommy Reese and Harry stand. So you're going to have that again. Right. So I really feel like this team is going to look at, at at the very least, Sean, I think this offensive line in the run game is at the very least going to look like the 2020 run game. Is that fair?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like I'm not predicting they're going to look like 2015 or 2017. I'm not there yet. There's a lot we got to see before I'm there, but I do feel like the combination of talent and line play, and you've got a quarterback that's going to provide an impact in the run game that it's going to look a lot like the 2020 run game. Then you fast forward to 2021. And they had an offensive line that couldn't block anybody in the run game for a big chunk of that year, especially in their first half of the season. The bigger problem was even beyond the run game was you couldn't protect the quarterback. And and everybody talks about oh Jack Cone. Like but Jack Cohn you knew who Jack Cone was you knew he wasn't a runner. I mean it, did anybody actually believe when Brian Kelly talked about how athletic he was that, that that was true? Like he he lies. I mean he's always lied. We watched the film. I saw him at Wisconsin. He couldn't run. And this was coming after a guy that had just had a bad foot injury. Of course he couldn't move. And your offensive line couldn't protect him. But if you go back and watch the games last year, Sean, and I've got some all-22, you've got some all-22, we've been able to watch these games. Yeah, There was some really good stuff they were doing schematically that they did in the opener against Florida State and they did against Toledo. What happened is you started to see some of it against Purdue. Talk about it. You started yeah. to see him try some of that stuff against Purdue. Yeah. But what happened was is they that's when the pass pro – like the Toledo game, the pass pro started to falter. Yeah. But he was still able to scheme up some stuff. Then against Purdue and Wisconsin, they're just, they're just killing your quarterback. And over the next several weeks, you just you had no time to throw the ball. So everything was quick, perimeter, RPOs, all that. I mean, not even a ton of RPOs, just quick game, screen, just get it out quickly because I can't protect the quarterback. And then later in the season when the defensive teams were worse – and he could protect the quarterback, not so much because the offensive line was playing better. Although it was to a degree, I mean, Joe Walt settled things in. I mean, look, Andrew Kristofic. We're talking about Andrew Kristofic stepping in yeah. uh, in the starting lineup. Sean, did you did you? I don't know. You probably didn't see it the other day, but I wrote that article. I know you've been busy about how the guards got to step up in the absence of Jared Patterson. Passing, yeah. Well, last year, here's a stat for you. I know you like numbers. In the first five games of the year, but when before Andrew Kristofic started. Notre Dame ran for 80.8 yards per game, 2.4 yards per carry. In the eight games that Andrew did start, they ran for 183 and a half yards per game and 5.2 yards per carry. Partly because the t- teams that they played for the most part down the stretch weren't good. Right. right. But it was also partly because Andrew and Joe brought a little bit of stability to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And so when the pass pro was there, and they passed protected in the bowl game extremely well, couldn't block anybody in the run game, but they passed really well. And we're seeing Tommy Reese just scheming up to just be all over Wake Forest, or I mean, Oklahoma State. So to me, here's where he needs to be in 2022. It's time to put it all together, right? Like great run game in 2020, not an overly effective pass game for various reasons. Scheme-wise, again, there's some good stuff there, but just the talent wasn't great. 2021, really good schemed pass stuff. Some really big games in the past. I mean, you know, Jack Cone threw for over 3,000 yards last year. I mean, you know, like – and he completed over 70% of his passes in like the final six or seven games of the year. I mean, you know, it's not like Jack Cone was terrible last year. It was just he couldn't – he didn't have time to throw the football. But the kid still threw 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions, had a quarterback rating of over 151 and you know had some some pretty good moments last year you know and so i mean his quarterback rating last year was better than ian book's each of the previous two years for all the people that that love ian book you know so it was good scheme stuff but poorly coached receivers and you couldn't protect the ball yeah you're the quarterback so now it's like okay does he have the protection now does he have the coaching now well look you right, he stands what best in the game you got chris watt back You've got at least, a at the very least, Chancey Stuckey is going to be a solid receivers coach, the very least, which is a huge upgrade over what you had before. And you lost one of the best running back coaches in the business, and you actually upgraded. Yeah. How many teams could lose a guy like Lance Taylor and upgrade at tight end? You lost John McNulty, who was close with Ty Reese, and you upgraded with Jared Parker, in my opinion. So to me, you've got a way better staff around you. Now it's time to put it all together. This is a group of players that you have been the primary recruiter for as the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, right? So you're not going into year three. So it's time to put it all together, and that's partly why I'm optimistic because I do think he's going to put it together, and it really revolves around that, Sean, is we've seen him be able to scheme up the run game in an impressive fashion. Like teams yeah. in 2020 knew they were going to run the ball and still couldn't stop them, and that includes Alabama in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget they had a 15-play drive that for a touchdown. was all, In the first half, when the game was still in in doubt, that was an almost all-run game. You know what I mean? Like, he had some good stuff schemed up in that game. The screen yeah. pass to Chris Tyree, great play call. And there was stuff open in that game. Ian Book just couldn't, you know, typical big game Ian Book, he's just not going to throw it. Well, last year we saw the pass game stuff, couldn't, couldn't scheme the run game. Well, yeah. now you should be able to do it all. And that's part of a big reason why I'm optimistic about this unit. Now he's got to show it, right? This is we say this a million times. It all sounds great, but it's a show me business, right? And that's what I need to see from Coach Reese. But I'm I, I'm I'm a lot more optimistic, I think, than most because I've seen him do both. I've seen him scheme the heck out of some run game, and I've seen him scheme the heck out of the pass game. Just not always at the same time right. because of deficiencies on the football team. I don't think those exist now. There are there depth questions. Yes. But there are a lot of teams in college football that would love to have a depth problem that includes Lorenzo Styles, Xavier Watts, Braden Lindsay, Michael Mayer, Kevin Bauman, Tobias Merriweather as your pass catcher options, and running backs like Chris Tyree, Audrick Estimate, Logan Diggs, right. and a quarterback like Tyler Buckner. There's a whole there's probably about a hundred and twenty teams in the country that would love to struggle with that lineup. Yeah. Okay. And so the talent's there, the depth's not there. It's time for Coach Reese to say, this is why I'm making a lot of money. Because I, I no, hey the head coach wouldn't make decisions that I needed him to make. Well, this one did. This head coach went out and let me get the guys I needed. This head coach went out and helped me get D. La McCullough and Harry Heastan and Chancy Stuckey and Jared Parker, okay? Bam, let's roll. No more excuses. And I'm excited about it because I don't think he's going to make any. I think this is going to turn around, but he's got to show me. That's the thing, Sean. It's, he's got to show me. Yeah. But I, and you and I have talked a lot about this, and I just I have a feeling like this is this offense is going to surprise some people. Will it be the opener? I hope so. It needs to be. But whether it's the opener or some point in time early in September, I think this offense is going to really shock a lot of people this year. And to where even if they don't necessarily do it in Ohio State, let's say they lose like thirty five to twenty four, and then run the table the rest of the way watch out in a rematch. You know what I mean? In the playoff, right? Because I think yeah. it's going to be a different deal. But uh, they need to get going in the opener, though. They, they need to be able to rely on that offense to give them, a, give them a shot to win that game in the opener. And then from there, got to roll. And I, I think that's what we're going to see this year. I really yeah. do.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So next question. Great great first question, by the way. Yeah, it was. Uh, Demetrius Rick says, uh, can Tyler Buckner be the most dynamic playmaker quarterback in the last 10 years in year one, or should we give him some time to fulfill that title? So, Sean, I'm going to ask this one. I'm going to nuance this. Let's just say dynamic Playmaker as a runner and thrower, because I I have a hard time seeing him being more dynamic as just a runner than Brandon Wimbush was in 2017.
2: I think I kind of talked about this yesterday in the practice report. Just his impact. He's not more dynamic than Brandon, but he's definitely, I think, going to be a better passer mm. than Brandon. That's not first, a low bar. First of all, because he has an offensive coordinator that's willing to build around him. Mm-hmm. That's number one, and support him. Yep. And with that being said, that goes a long way, a long way. So the answer is yes. And it's, it's funny because it's almost like put his heart, his competitive spirit, and his – willingness to be I don't want to say daredevil but his willingness to take chances and just basically envision that in Ian Book and maybe you get a look at what he could be because Ian Book would compete his butt off yes he would compete his butt off he would make plays with his legs but he just he wasn't going to take chances and put the ball in harm's way and do what was necessary in big games to go ahead and get those points that you need. Tyler Buckner, I think he has that fearlessness in him to be able to do that. And that might be over the next two or three years, what you see from him. It's just a fearless, fearless leader that's willing to go out there and make plays and the guy that's crazy enough to think that when he steps on the field, he's the best player on the field. Like that's the mentality the kid has. So, you know, I can't wait to see how I can't wait to see how it plays out. I can't look. There's nothing better than making your first start and knowing, like, yeah, I got these running backs, I got this offensive line,
1: I got right. Michael Mayer, right? Dude, I got Michael, Mayer. and I got a defense that's really good, so yeah. I can make a mistake. And know that they're going to have my back. Yeah. That's yes. Yeah. Agree. I think he has a chance to be the most dynamic playmaker. If you're incorporating the whole thing, like you and I can talk until, you know, we get kicked off. Right. And everybody leaves about, what Brandon could have been, should have been, all that if he had a better quarterbacks coach his first two years, or if Chip built that twenty eighteen offense around him more. We can talk about that all day, but the reality is Brandon was not the same quarterback in seventeen or eighteen that he was coming out of high school. No, just the reality no. of it. No, and and so yes, I think Tyler Buckner. I mean, to me, Tyler has a chance to be better than Deshaun. Malik started three games. I mean, can't really. I mean, can't right. compare Malik because right. we just don't have the body work, you know. But I Ev. I think to me, here's the thing. This is gonna sound crazy. For me, Tyler Buckner. If you're gonna compare quarterbacks, he's a little bit of Everett and he's a little bit of Malik. I think he's a more mm-hmm. dynamic runner than Everett because he's bigger. He's more like Malik because you know, Malik was not tall, but he was thick. He was strong. Right. He could he could run. You can go look at the LSU game, the bowl game he played in. And then Malik could, but Malik was a different kind of quarter passer than Ty. He's big arm. You know, yeah. not super accurate, long release, but he could throw it a country mile. I mean, just. Go look at the touchdown pass he's doing against Virginia. Ball went over 60 yards in the air. I don't see Tyler Buckner doing that. But I think he can throw a lot more. Like Everett had a great clean release. He was accurate. I think Tyler's a little bit more accurate than people realize. You've seen that in person. Like these people that say he can't throw are only basing that off of his role last year in which he wasn't asked to be a passer. But I would argue that two of the best throws that any quarterback on the roster had last year were both by Tyler. And that was the bomb to Kevin Austin against Virginia Tech and the seam backside team against Virginia Tech to Avery Davis. And you could even throw the pass to Chris Tyree in there if you want. So to me, but isn't that
2: I'm glad you said that. Isn't that what makes him dangerous? Yes. Like, if you're going to yes. play man to man, man to man against Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner is going to hurt you yeah. in the passing game. Yes. Because the guys, and I think it was another pass he was going to hit to Austin on a crossing route that they got a P.I. on. Yeah. He, the Guy was behind him and grabbed Austin. That was going to be a completed pass. Look, if you're playing man-to-man against Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame is going to be able to get open yes. and hurt you and get chunk plays.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? So now you have to figure what do you want to do now because now you have to take on this power running game. Mm-hmm. So if you bring eight in the box, and now you leave your guys man to man with Mayer and Lorenzo and Bray, he's good yeah. enough
1: from an accuracy standpoint to hurt yeah. you, and they're going to get chunk plays. Right. So, I man, and as I've said, I've seen clips of him, Sean. I, you know, in practice that you guys have sent me. I've talked to people that are there. It's like you know he'll make he'll make reads where it's like he goes to his third, fourth option at times. Yeah. Yeah. Like this isn't just some run throw guy. This isn't Malik against LSU. Right. Where the reads from Malik, I mean, I think he threw like over half his passes were like within five yards, which yeah. is like we're, because it was his first start and got a run and all that stuff. This isn't who he is, right? This is this is a kid that I think can throw the ball, has can have the kind of production Everett had as a passer, hopefully limiting them mistakes, but is also more of a like Everett was a scrambler in the pass game. Not necessarily a run, because Everett's small. You couldn't design a bunch of run, you're not gonna run Q power with Everett Golson all day because he's not gonna make it. He's too small. But he's built more like Malik. Yeah. Like, and that's why I say those are the two that I think I combine him with. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the pure like vert like 60, 70 yard bomb arm strength that Warm those strength. guys have, as far as I know. I just haven't seen him do it. Yeah. But from 40 in, he's he's every bit as good as they as, as yeah. ever, as as uh, as Ev could be potentially. So that's why that's why I think he has a chance to be that guy. Now yeah. he's just got to show it, right? Like we're talking about what he could be. Well, he's got to go show it now. Just put it I mean, up, put up a shut up. Right, exactly. Here's an interesting college football question, Sean. Uh, he So Tommy gave us a super chat yesterday, and I missed it, but this was his question, so I told him I'd get it up. He says, rank these former linebackers, A.J. Hawk, James Laranitis, Marcus Freeman. I'm leaving that one out because I don't want to disrespect the head coach. Well, Bobby Carpenter, Jalen Smith, and Antiteo. I'm sorry, the head coach. I love him, but he doesn't deserve to be on that list. This is
2: actually me. kind of easy.
1: You think so, huh? So yeah, is, what do we what are we ranking it off of? Is it talent or production in college? It has to be a mixture. Okay.
2: Right, because they're extenuating circumstances for Jalen. Yeah, he had a goofball as a DC. Wasn't really used to his full potential. <laughs> so, I mean, he was wasted. Yeah, and Jalen was going to be gone after three years. You know, if he had played four years, I am going to. I'm going to put Manti at number one, Okay. and then I'm going to put.
1: I got to go. AJ Hawk. It's uh, Manti, AJ Hawk was really yeah. It's I would Manti, go Manti AJ one two in Man, some Manti
2: order. AJ Jalen
1: yeah. Laurinaitis Carpenter. Yeah, I mean AJ Hawk was a two-time unanimous All-American, won the Lombardi Award, won yeah. the Jack Lambert Trophy. He was pretty good. Yeah. He was pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah.
2: I don't think people really understand how good Manti was. No. We like, talked about this in the show the yesterday. the athlete that Jalen was, yeah. but Manti was transformative for the program.
1: Sean, you and I, you and I have talked about this in past shows. Who was better player, Manti or Jalen? And it's like I love Jalen Smith, yeah. But the reality is he was used the way that he was. Right, was we can't change that. Can't change it. And as a college player, just from a production standpoint, Manti was significantly better than Jalen. Now, is Jalen? If we're just talking who's the most talented, it's Jalen Smith, and there is nobody in the conversation for number one. Right. But the reality is he wasn't used that way. Right. If he had Bob Diaco or better yet Mike Elko. As his defensive coordinator, yes. Then we're talking about J- Jalen Smith completely differently. And he was still yeah. an All American and a Buckus Award winner. Right. Right. I mean, but just the production wasn't there. And yeah. and that's the thing is like Manti, you know, we talked about this in the show yesterday, but the, the, like, Manti's best season statistically wasn't even the year he was won all those awards. No. The year before, when he had 13 and a half tackles for loss and 120 plus sacks or yeah. tackles, you know. So uh, I, I got to go James Laranitis three. I mean, cause you're talking about a guy that, 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 no, I got to go Jalen three. I'm going Jalen three. I love James Laronitis, but I got to go Jalen three. Cause the thing about Laronitis is he was also a guy that didn't have huge tackle for lost numbers either. Yeah. Again, different defense. And, you know, part of his time he was playing with other really good linebackers, but I got to go Jalen three. I got to go Jalen three and Bobby Carpenter five. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Carpenter is a really good football player, but I think James Laronitis was better in my opinion. D- do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I I gotta go. I got that's that's where I gotta go. I yeah, and I and honestly, I mean, you know, Bobby Carpenter to me, I don't know if I even put him in this conversation because he was kind of more of a pass rusher than a pure linebacker. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he was more yeah. of an edge guy than he was a pure linebacker. So I yeah. even have a hard time even having him in.
2: You would have been your, a bet. You would have been better adding moya to this
0: list. Yeah, than Carpenter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I am going to look up Marcus Freeman's stats, though, because he had a year with over 100 tackles at Ohio State, and he was a good football player at Ohio State. Oh, Absolutely. He had 71 tackles uh, in 06, 109 in 07, 84 in 2008, nine and a half tackles for loss in each of his last two years. He's a good football player. So I was being hyperbolic saying he doesn't belong on the list. Uh, But I got – you know what, though? Now that I think about it, I might actually put him ahead of Bobby Carpenter. I know that's going to sound crazy because Carpenter was the first-round pick, but, again, Carpenter was more of an edge guy to me. I just – you know what I mean? Like, I just – and he got banged up a little bit. Like, you know what? I just – I got to do just, it. Oh, Cyrus breakdown. Marcus Freeman's number one. <laughs> hey. Manti's still number one. Manti's still <laughs> okay. one. He's right behind yeah. Manti. Manti's still number one. <laughs> I love Coach Freeman, but Jay is still ahead of him. But uh, you know, and hey, man, what Tommy? Where's Jeremiah Wusu Koromo in this conversation, my man? Like, he's got to be in this conversation too. Uh, but he, yeah, I mean, I think that one, two is clear though, Sean. It's AJ Hawk and, and Manti in some order. Let's talk about the misuse or lack of use of linebackers. If
2: if Niles Morgan is inserted when he was supposed to be inserted, right. he develops even right. quicker and probably becomes a heck of a linebacker.
1: Well, can I say something else too? Yeah. The thing about A.J. Hawk and Laronitis compared to Manti, and this is to your point, they always had somebody around them. You know, A.J. Hawk had Anthony Schlegel and Bobby Carpenter. Mm -hmm. James Laronitis had Marcus Freeman, who was, again, a top All-American, you know, fourth-round draft pick. Manti played next to Carlo Calabrese, Dan Fox, you know – that's who he was, kind of having protect him, yeah. Brian Smith. Yeah, like what would Manti have been like if Luke Kuechly was beside him, yeah. or even Niles? Like you, you know, like for Jalen, for Niles, like you're talking yeah. about Jalen Niles, but like yeah. Manti wasn't playing next to a dude either. Yeah, and then Jalen's the same story. What would Jalen have been like if he was playing next to a Niles Morgan type for two years? If he was right. playing next to a, you know, a, a, a more top back, and I think backer, and I think that's the thing too is. Those Ohio State guys were all great players, but they all played kind of with each other. They always had other great linebackers you had to deal with. And I think that's something that has to be taken into consideration. Like, how good would they have been if they were the only dude like Manti was? Like, if if Dan Fox was the guy they were hoping defenses would take pressure off of. Yeah. And they also played behind some really good defensive lines. Yeah. So are you really predicting? Good are lines. you
2: predicting how good Junior is going to be with all that talent around him?
1: <laughs> not yet, <laughs> not yet. But but he's going to be in that conversation. He's got to still beat out some dudes though first. Yeah. And I think that's what has me excited about that group. Tommy Gunn says, if the suspensions in 2013 hadn't happened, how would that have impacted the program? Could 2016 have been avoided?
2: He's talking about Ev? Is he talking about the Ev? Ev it was Ev.
1: It was. Uh, uh, DeVaris Daniels, Shaq Williams, and Kavari Russell. And Kendall Moore too, but Kendall was like more of a role player.
2: Well, I've actually I think Notre
1: Dame's I think offline Notre
2: is a- discussions mm-hmm. with Kendall. And see, this is the cool thing about those guys. You talk about hunt might not be the right word, but they understand where the program was going, yeah, and what they had in yeah. talent like coming in together and they knew like 14, they knew like from 12, 13 to 14 to 15, they knew what they had in that locker room. Yeah. And it was like, dang, we let our guys down. Yeah. Like all of them
1: pretty much here's, feel here's that the deal, way. Sean, let's think about this. Yeah. We, Will Fuller breaks out in 2014. Yeah, seventy catches, a thousand yards, great player. Corey Robinson had a really nice year, forty catches, five hundred some yards. What happens Underrated. if you throw Davars Daniels into that conversation? And Ev is going into his third year as a starter. Right, DeVars Daniels was really he was going to be there. Him dude and that
2: Ev year. were the only bright spots against right. Alabama.
1: Right, hundred percent. They competed. Right, and then they lose the whole thirteen season. Yeah, right, and and then so you come back and in, in, in fourteen. And you'd have had, like, you know, because DeVaris had a bit of a breakout in 2013. Yeah. Um, you know, because 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 Evan cause Ev, Ev missed 13 for a different suspension, right? right? So I'm kind of throwing that one in there as well, like if he doesn't come back from that. But if DeVaris had received with Will Fuller and, and the running backs they had on that team, and then you look to the defense, you add Eshack, who supposedly was really coming along at that point in time, Mm-hmm. you you have your corners or cole luke was excellent in 2014 yep excellent 2014 and you'd have had kavari opposite him and then now all of a sudden cody riggs moves into the slot to play nickel right and maybe kendall moore who was a solid player is a role guy but you know maybe he's your starting middle linebacker next to jalen smith yeah instead of joe Schmidt. Or maybe you can use Joe and him in the rotation to where in some of those games where you need a bigger guy, you could Correct. put it, you. But now all of a sudden those those injury. Look, here's the deal, flat out, they go 11 and one that year, Sean. I think they still lose in 14. About the 2014 team, you know, I kind of think I think they still lose to USC at the end of the year. USC was playing good football at that point in time. Of the year. They really were, and they weren't quite the 2016 team, but they were they were playing good football at the end of the year. Um, i would say one day to beat Northwestern and Louisville for sure. Definitely. They would have beat Florida state for sure.
2: Yep.
1: Arizona state game. I can't say they definitely would have won because I, that was, I can't a weird all game. the turnovers yeah. like, you know, okay. So does that mean Ev doesn't turn the ball over five times in that game? Like, but I think, you know, maybe he doesn't feel the need to put the team on his shoulders in that game. If he's got the vars and Will fuller. You know, maybe the defense can make some more stops if they've got Kavari Nishak. Like, I don't know who beats them that year. I mean, I, and I'm saying USC, but I mean, the week, USC lost by 18 the week before. They were playing good football down the stretch. They played like crap against UCLA, but they were playing really well the two weeks before. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know. I, I think
2: we all do. Look, if you sit down and have, and I'll look, if you sit down and you have a round table with, Heck, throw Tommy in there. If you sit mm-hmm. down and have a round table with Tommy, Malik, Deshaun, and Brandon, they will all tell you Ev was the dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They all knew. Have it. you Ev- ever heard Tommy Reese complain about I should have started over him? You've no. never heard him say it. No. I've never heard him say that publicly or yeah. privately. Yeah. Never.
2: Yeah. He knew. And I know for a fact it's been told to me. The worst thing that happened was the suspension, and even worse than that, going to Whitfield. The worst thing that ever yep. happened. If those things didn't happen to Ev, the whole quarterback narrative thing at Notre Dame
1: Gone. might not even exist. Well, those were, here's the thing, though. Those were both choices made by Evra Absolutely. And that's the problem. Absolutely. But yes, I mean, you and I have talked about this. There's the two most quarterback, the two most talented passers that Notre Dame has had last 30 years are Everett Golson and Jimmy Clausen. And it's not close. The difference is Everett could move. Yeah. And Everett had a stronger arm. Jimmy had a better feel for passing, but Everett had a stronger arm, was a better athlete. Yeah. And I still would have loved seeing what he could have done if he didn't get himself in trouble. It would have been – a 14 team could – and this is why I get so pissed off about, oh, they can't recruit bull crap. Notre <laughs> Dame's had three teams that could have comp- should have competed for a title.
2: Yeah.
1: And I don't mean competed like got there yeah. and got killed. I mean, they should have gone and played with anybody. Yeah. And it's that 14 Notre Dame team and 15 Notre Dame team and the 17 Notre Dame team. If they just would have done things better, you know, like not having the suspensions, right, not having – Van Gorder is your defensive coordinator. <laughs> I'll stack that 2015 roster talent-wise up against anybody in the country that year. Yeah. They almost beat Clemson with Brian Van Gorder. Yeah. they. It, 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 so don't tell me they can't recruit the players. You've got to have the right staff in place to recruit the players. They did that with, without, with not even a great strength program. <laughs> but that yeah. 2014 team went into Florida State and showed they can play with anybody. Yeah. And that was without DeVaris, without Ishak. Yep. With, you know what I mean? Without Kavari Russell. Yeah. Like yeah. Notre Dame was like 31 and 5 in games Kavari Russell played in. Like, he was a dude. You
2: know? I, um, I, I know this for a fact. Well, I don't know if for a fact. I've been told. They play Clemson, and they're sitting there in the first half and they're saying, what are we doing? Right. Like why are we just pounding our? Why are we keep hitting our head against the wall? These are players on the sideline. Right. Like what are we doing? Then they go to North Carolina State. The rain is like literally
1: horizontal. Hold like on, I was there. there. i right. sitting in the press box and I can feel the press box moving. Right. And I'm looking across and I'm seeing the light poles going like this. Like, it looked like they were doing the alma mater thing at the end of the game. Like, the light poles were singing the Notre Dame alma mater at the end right. of the game from the student section. Right. I'm hearing flash flood warnings going off in the background. I'm like, what are we doing here playing a freaking football game?
2: And they're like, why are we throwing the ball? Like, why are you trying to throw the ball 40 times in this
1: monsoon? And it just, like, it goes back to the coaching and just. It's all coaching. Yeah. And they still almost won all those games. Yeah. And that's the thing that bothers me. It's like. And that's also the thing that, that gets me excited about the future. Because, like, look, I could be wrong on this, but I think I've been right on a lot the last couple of years. Right. And I've caught a lot of crap from people. Oh, I hate Jeff Quinn. I hate Jeff Quinn. I think Jeff Quinn's a very good, decent man. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a very good offensive line coach. And it was proven to be so. You hate Dell Alexander. Well, I don't, I, I've never disliked Dell Alexander until recently. When he was coaching in Notre Dame, I was quite fond of him as a human being. Right. just not a good receivers coach. The yeah. only person I didn't like was Brian Kelly, Brian Van Gorder, but like they, they just, you could see it. And what I think Sean, and you and I have talked about this. We've talked to former players about this. I've mm-hmm. talked to other, po- uh, uh, I've talked to people that have coached and played on other teams about this. And they will tell you that 2015 Dame team was sick. You know, like I've had Notre Dame coaches who came later, who knew about that team and said, if I was here, then we kill everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's not just me and Sean sitting here as Notre Dame fans saying this, like nah. this is, you know, again, that 2015 Notre Dame team had more players from that lineup. Not guys that were like sitting on the bench, but guys that played on that team had more first, second and third round draft picks combined than Clemson did in 2015, than 2015's roster. Fact. Yeah. I've looked it up. Fact. You know, and it's just, it, the talent's always been waiting. It's always something missing. Yeah. Hopefully Marcus Freeman can get rid of the what's missing. And I think he's got a staff to get there, but I just, I feel like the talent here is better than people think the depth isn't where it needs to be yet at some spots. I
2: will say this, the back end could 2016 have been avoided. I still say no. Correct. And this is why I say no. I don't think it was really exposed until Malik's injury. Well, there were just certain things going on in the locker room. Yeah. And, like, this dividing line between
1: staff and and players. The strength program was also really The
2: strength program, yeah. Sean, you had
1: dudes getting gym memberships memberships in local gyms because they weren't allowed to go and work out. Yeah, it was just bad. Yeah.
2: It was bad. And the fact that you're, like,
1: four years in, five years in, and and this – so that was seven years in. Yeah, Sean. this is where – 10, you're 11, shooting 12, shooting? 13, 14, 15 – yeah. Yeah. Now, again, in, was... in in Coach Law, in fairness, he was bound with some health issues then at that time. But that's why Brian Kelly should have stepped in and said, hey. Yes. We we got – you know, we got – But right. when that's going on and your head coach is an absentee coach, yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean – So, to your point, Sean, I think you're right. 2016
2: still would have happened. It still would have happened because of the coaching staff and his inability to
1: correct things when they need to be corrected. Which including recruiting had taken a hit since hit. Diaco yeah. and Chuck Martin and those guys left. Yep. Recruiting had taken a hit. Uh, there was a lot of things going on there. I yep. think 2016 would have happened. And, you know, again, because you can't tell me that you – like, Ev's still gone in 2015, right? I mean, you know, most likely – well, I don't know. F may – here's the interesting thing, Sean. With all due respect to Malik, does Everett come back in 2015? Oh, if if Everett is never suspended, he—I mean, Malik Malik probably starts in 16. Right. So 15, Malik never gets hurt because could you imagine that 2015 team with Everett Golson as the starting, the Everett Golson that never went through the suspension, Everett Golson? Yes. Could you imagine that Everett Golson on that football team? team? Stop telling me it's about talent. Stop telling me it's about talent. But
2: now, this is, see, Brian, now the quarterback room resembles what we see at programs like Alabama. And when Malik finally takes the reins, he is at such a confidence level. It's like he was already confident at 15, even though he hadn't started a game. But you put him in at 16 – with that team. Yeah. And maybe the players can overcome. Right. And maybe not be four and eight. Right.
1: And maybe get it to like seven and five. or And then what does the recruiting do if they're as good as they should have been in fifth, 14? And then what does the recruiting do if they go out and compete for a championship in 2015? Right, right. And the thing is like every say, well, maybe Everett would have, I mean, Malik would have transferred, but no, I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have. For two reasons. One is, you know, from, I don't know Malik all that well, and and we've got our things and all that, but I've always, he always understood why he was at Notre Dame, not just football. Number one, number two, transferring wasn't easy then. And number three, it's a lot easier to sit on the bench when you know that dude in front of you is the dude. And I think he would have been more Mac Jones than, Justin Fields, yeah. Malik would have been. And, yeah. I mean, is that yeah. fair? Like, Mac no. Jones knew, like, hey, hey I'm me. waiting my time because I know too was that dude.
2: But Brian, right? I just told
1: you, yeah, you sit all of them
2: down, right. and they will all tell right. you he's the he's the go- which he, is why
1: he'd have been okay being yes. the next in line. Yeah, He's my point. The exactly. We exactly. we,
2: <laughs> I'm good. I yeah. ain't that right. You know what I mean? Like, right.
1: That's the reality of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so then Malik would have been a two-year starter. He right. started in 16. and Now, now, starting quarterback in 2017 is not Brandon Wimbush. No. It's Malik Zaire. Right. Without the injury.
2: Right.
1: So, mm, you know who never it, – it, here's the We never would have seen Deshaun Kaiser as a starting quarterback in Notre Dame if, if Everett doesn't get suspended. He probably is the transfer. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably the transfer. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then Brandon takes over in 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, I mean, but there's all look, it's Van Gorder, it's Mike Sanford. There's so many reasons why 16 would have happened. Yeah. In my opinion. But <laughs> right. uh ev- the Everett, ev- so it's actually it's not the 14 suspend, it's not the suspensions for 14 that were the issue. It really all tracks back to Everett in 13, yeah, as being the, the beginning of all that. Right. Yeah. So, fascinating question. We could have done a whole show on just that, Sean. We really could have. All right. So, here we go. Tommy Guns, if you had to pick one game from the past 12 years for September 3rd to emulate, which would you pick? I'm going Clemson-Notre Dame 2020 in the regular season because it's like the only game against a great team that Notre Dame won. And I don't think you're going to beat them 30-13 to like you did Oklahoma in 2012. You're going to have to – you're going to have to make some big stops on defense and then win – look, what run the ball. Make big plays in the pass game. Yeah. Right? Make some big stops on defense, force some turnovers, and get some scores that aren't on offense. It would have to be that 2020 game. That would be it.
2: I'm going to go – and this is a game we've actually talked about. I'm going to go 90 – I think it was –
1: 96? So past 12 years, though. So he's basically going back to Brian Kelly's. Yeah, so basically Brian Kelly's tenure. Oh, Brian
2: Kelly's tenure? Yeah. Look, there was a matchup. I I forget the year. I think it was 98, 96, that I think the game is going to go just like that because Ohio State had that type of crazy talented wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't compare, like, Stanley Jackson and the, the other kid they had at quarterback Joe team. Jermaine. Joe Jermaine. I wouldn't compare them to CJ Stroud. Right. But, you know, Eddie George, that the rent, uh, pace at left tackle, like that was darn good offense. Yeah. But I think the same game plan that Lou put together for that game that allowed him to have the lead in the third quarter before they just imploded with turnovers.
1: Well, and this team has more speed than that team. Though. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Something you've but talked like, about. Yeah. I
2: think they have the same chance to physically impose themselves yeah. and frustrate.
1: But that's why yeah. I think the 2020 game against Clemson is that way cuz they they beat Clemson in the trenches that day. I mean, Clemson's success came on big plays in the past game. So would you say because of And if Ian Book doesn't fumble the ball going into the end zone, yeah. they, that game's not close at the Not evening. even close. If take would you rather
2: say forget the results? do you think it's going to resemble the first game or the actual conference championship game? First game. With Trevor. Because I think the game started out the same in both games. (laughs) The games had a similar start both times, and Notre Dame just wasn't able to put the same points on the board early. The
1: the thing for me, Sean, is I think – that that when you don't play Trevor, you don't need the game changer quarterback. Mm. When you play a team that has a guy like Trevor, you need a game changer quarterback. That's the difference yeah. between the two games. Yeah, it, and so you know, I, I look at that game, and for me, Sean, it's like I you know, as far as again, he, his question was you know, if a game if it could emulate it, then I'd want it yeah. to emulate the Clemson game yeah. because what did Notre Dame do? They ran the ball, they hit some yeah. big shots. Now I hope that this team doesn't kind of. You no, know, oh, we got, to, we're, we're up 13, nothing. So let's, you know, let, or, you know, 10, nothing or whatever. And let's, you know, let's, let's milk the clock or whatever the case may be. I mean, I don't, I don't think we'll see that. I hope we don't see that, you know, but I just, I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like that team, they had, they outplayed Clemson really for 60 minutes. They just had a couple mistakes that hurt them. Yeah. You know, it's a 23, 23 game. They're driving Ian fumbles and then they three and out and then, Kick a field goal. I mean, if they get a touchdown there, and then make the stop, and all of a sudden you're up ten in the third quarter. I mean, that team that team just to me should have should have they had a lot of missed opportunities yeah. in both of those games. Yeah. But to me, if like ask how I want the game to go, if I think Notre Dame's got a, if it can go like the 2020 Clemson game, then you're in good shape. But because I, I think you're gonna have a more dynamic player quarterback this yeah. year. I yeah. mean, it's the overall talent, the skill, talent. I mean, yeah. I say talent. The speed is better now. Yeah. I don't want to say the talent's better. We got to see the receiver step up and play I mean if if one of the receivers steps up this year and plays like Lorenzo I'm going to be happy dude cuz yeah. they didn't even like they didn't even, I mean not Lorenzo Javon McKinley I'm going to be a happy guy. If one of the receivers can play like that that's you know just clutch guy big games that kind of thing. Yeah. You know cuz they have more speed than he had but you've got a Michael Mayer now you didn't have a Michael Mayer in 20, 2020 as far as what no. Michael is now. No. Right you had him at you actually had him but he was a freshman at the time. So I think that's going to be the thing. I guess, yeah. See,
2: I don't Clemson will be the only game that I would point to in the last twelve years. I thought about another game. I could I can see it going Notre Dame USC from 05 or O what
1: is that? 06 Uh you mean 15? Or so again know. he's gonna last 12 years. No, no, that's why I said yeah. I don't
2: see anything other than yeah. Clemson, but if I was just going another game outside of that would be the classic. Notre Dame-USC game. I can see it being that type of back and forth coming down to the last possession. I
1: could see it being a little bit like the USC game in 15, though. I mean, like that game was USC had some big play guys on offense. You know, Ronald Jones hit a big run. Yeah, he did. Um, You know, um, Cody Kessler hit some big plays. I mean, he passed for a bunch of yards that game. He did. Um, You know, Notre Dame jumps up big. Clemson battles back. I mean, USC battles back. I mean, Notre Dame let them back in that game. They're they talking more outcome wise. Notre Dame should have blown that they should have blown them out that game. But as far as just like the outcome, you know, USC goes right down the field and scores. Notre Dame answers back. Yeah. You know, and then Notre Dame jumps up and they're up 10. And then USC claws back. I mean, and that that USC team had some had some athletes. I mean, okay. like that that Ronald Jones at running back, yeah. Juju Smith Schuster you pick dory you know cody caster yeah Yeah. i mean i think those are the two that i could see it i just yeah don't want it to be like florida state all right let's roll through here because we got to wrap this up here real soon it's been a a shocker sean you and i had a very long show (laughs) who knew who knew all right let's see here uh let me get down. Matt McCarty says, Brian and the IB staff. Thank you so much for all the podcasts got back last weekend from visiting my wife in the Philippines and the podcast got me through my 17 hour flight back home. So what is that? Like three shows of me and Sean, is that pretty much 17 <laughs> hours? Uh, yeah, we appreciate that, Matt. And we're glad that you got back home safely and and hopefully, um, hopefully your wife's doing well in the Philippines. Uh, so Rh, who I believe is an Ohio State fan, asked, Brian. Scheme wise, could you see Notre Dame running cover six against Ohio State, or is that something that takes too much time to master? I mean, they've done that in the past. Rh, I think cover so cover six is basically kind of cover two to the boundary, cover boundary. four in the field. Yeah, I, I don't. I think we. I think we'll see some of that. I mean, I, I think yeah. that's a look that Notre Dame has used in the past. I think it's something that we can certainly see. Uh, that allows you to protect over top into the boundary. You know, it allows your corner to kind of reroute into the boundary uh, and and then have safety help over the top. And then to the field, you have a way of inserting your safety down against the run to help protect against the run in the, in the, the uh, you know, perimeter screens. And mm-hmm. then you're playing off with your field corner who's, you know, you're now asking your safety and essentially your rover to be the take away the flats, to jump, the hook, curl, that kind of thing. You'll know, be your underneath guys. Uh, and then your, your corner, your, your corner and your, is is going to sort of protect over the top. So in, in that defense, I mean, if you're playing four to the field, you know, the, the, the corner's got to protect the post at that point mm-hmm. in time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, I don't, I think that's probably good if you're going to, if you're going to have Clarence Lewis to the field, but if you're going to have Cam Hart to the field, I don't know if I want him playing off the ball and no. sinking and playing the post. I want him coming no. up and, you know, so I, I, I th- you know, I think you're going to see a mix of things. I think you're going to see Notre Dame doing a lot of different things coverage-wise. I think they're not going to just line up and play cover six all game because then mm. Ryan Day is going to pick it apart. I mean, yeah. any great offensive mind is going to pick apart if you just have a limited number of coverages. I think you're going to see cover one. You're going to see some cover zero. You're going to see some cover two. I think you're going to see some cover six. You you're see some quarters. You know, you're going to see a lot of different things. You're seeing see zone fires, and you're going to see a lot of different things because that's what you have to do. You say, well, you run the risk of giving up a big play. Well, look, you're going to give up a big play to Ohio State. That's going to happen. You know, you know, talking about game plans to emulate, you know the a great game. I'm going to go NFL. I'm gonna, since you're going like back in the 90s, this has got to be a lot like the 19, the Super Bowl 32, Broncos, Packers. Favre's going to make some big plays. But you got to be aggressive with your defense to say, yeah, he's going to make his big plays. He's going to hit Antonio Freeman over the top for a beautifully placed one of the best Super Bowl throws ever, that first touchdown from Brett Favre. But we're going to control the football. We're going to run the football. We're going to create some big plays in the pass game. But we're going to have to defensively scheme up some stuff to create mistakes. And two times in that game, Greg Robinson, may he rest in peace, came with tremendously well-designed pressures that forced Brett Favre pick it, t- yeah. uh, turnovers. One was the one where I think it was Steve Atwater came up from behind him and sacked him, and it was a fumble. I think Alfred Williams recovered it. The other one was they brought a, a – I forget who blitzed. I think it was a linebacker pressure. But Favre rushed it and sailed it, and Tyrone Braxton – Tyrone Braxton it caught it, yeah. Yeah, like you gotta you got to do stuff like that to then allow yourself to be able to go I out I think and that was Romo quarter. on the
2: blitz. I think it was Was it the- Romo? I okay. think it was. I think it was Romanowski on yeah. the blitz.
1: Yeah, but Steve Atwater was the one that had the blitz on the forced fumble. Yeah. Uh, You know, but that's what you got to do because you can't stop Brett Favre for four quarters. But you controlled the clock with your run game. You limited possessions. You had some big plays of your own, yeah. right? You had the Ed McCaffrey. They didn't throw the ball well that game. That's the thing yeah. about the Broncos. They Elway went like 12 to 25 in that game. They still won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But a lot of it was because of the mistakes that the defense was able to force the Green Bay offense into that is really what helped them win that game. So that'd be another
2: one. I think for me, I'm interested in seeing, (laughs) I think you've heard this as well. They're really, really happy with Cam Hart Mm -hmm. in fall camp. And see, maybe I'm naive. Please tell me if I'm naive, right? And I think I told you this, I would be more fearful if Notre Dame defensively was facing C.J. Stroud with Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, I would be more fearful because okay. those guys had track records. Sure, Marvin Harrison Jr. has a bowl game, right, against a depleted backfield, right. So I don't know, sure. Fleming. Fleming, I don't know what he's going yeah. to do. Like they haven't the shown me right a big picture. True. You were, oh, talented? Absolutely. Right. That's not that's not debatable. But I don't have the same fear and the trepidation because of those guys that I would saying, okay, yeah. we're going up against right. Russell Faye and Garrett Wilson, and we know right. we can't leave anybody one-on-one with Garrett Wilson.
1: So right. have. Isn't it funny, though, Sean? Isn't it funny that there's just this assumption that Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka are going to be phenomenal next year? Yeah. They yeah. combined for fewer receptions than Lorenzo Styles did. You know, it's just. But yeah, Notre Dame fans, though, they're going to be great. And, you know, Lorenzo's going to be mediocre. I'm like, Whoa. I know it's a factory at that position of wide receiver. True. And we already know
2: with Smith and Jigba, it, we, right. we know. Yeah. Like over 100 catches. But Notre Dame can do some things, especially if he's going to just strictly come out of the slot. Notre Dame with the line. Right. Notre Dame. I, let me, Brian.
1: I definitely won't get you too far. to have four hours in. There. <laughs> so. Look, man, Goose Rob. <laughs> Look, Notre
2: Dame with Al Golden has so many different coverages. They can. Yeah. Do you understand that their safety is basically another nickel? Right. They can go three safeties. If they want to. Yeah. They can go three safeties. If they go four wide, they can say, okay, Tariq's in the slot. Come on, B-Joe. Right. We put in DJ in Houston or Ramon on the back end. You take care of that third or fourth wide receiver. And there's so much flexibility when you have, we're good with Cam. And you're like, oh, we're good with Tariq in the slot okay, and we got a playmaker back there. We may put him single high.
1: Mm-hmm. He's going
2: to handle, man, center field, he's going to handle everything. Yeah. There are no big plays we know with him single high. Right, There's just so much that they can do is going to be about eliminating the big plays in a multiple sense. Sure, they're yeah. going to get
1: one. Right. But one or two. Be- they're yeah. going to get one or two. They can't right. get three, four, five. They're going to score 27, 28 points, Sean, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the just, number
2: one priority has nothing to do with the wide receivers. Yeah. Travion Henderson yeah. is the number one priority.
1: Shut that dude down.
2: You shut him down, oh, we're halfway home.
1: For every big play Ohio State has, you have to force a turnover. Yes. I mean, that's basically how it goes for me. Yes. You know, in big play, 40-plus yards, you know, you got to force a turnover. Yeah. That's basically how it goes for me. That's just going to have to be – and part of RHS question, I mean, talking about it's going to have to come down to doing things schematically because, look, Notre Dame's got really good defensive talent. They just can't line up in base defense and say, we got you. Right. You can't do that. There are positions I think they can do that, but as an entire defense, they're not there yet, right? This isn't 2001 Miami defense, right? right? Like, they're good, but they're not – they're really good, but they're not elite to that level, Right. And and so you're going to have to do things schematically that a protect the guys that are not elite, that give your elite players opportunities to go make plays, right? So okay, you're not you may not bring Brandon Joseph on a blitz like you did with Steve Atwater, but I'll bring Maris Lufau on one. Yeah. yeah, similar body type, <laughs> you know, it says a lot about Steve Atwater. Right. But uh, you know that's the thing, Sean is you got to you've got to also create your own big plays on defense. You're you're going somebody on a, a Notre Dame DB or two is going to get smoked in that game for a big player too. It's yeah. just going to happen. Yeah, right. They had those plays against Oregon. They had those plays against Michigan. But can you then create the mistakes? And that's what Ohio. That's what Michigan was able to do. And, and you talked about it
2: in that Super Bowl. It wasn't like they had good, sound, veteran cornerbacks. That Broncos right. team,
1: Ray Crockett, and uh, uh gosh, Ron Braxton. No, uh, right? no, he was well, uh, Darian Harper. Yes. Darren Harper. Darren yeah. Braxton Harper. had moved. Uh, Braxton was their corner in the first three early Super Bowls. And he was right. a safety by that point in time. Right. Point. Right. Yeah. Darren Gordon, Darren Gordon. Excuse me. Darren Gordon. Darren the Gordon. corner. Yeah. Right. Just play Good do players. Yeah. Do your job.
2: Right. Do your job. That's all we're asking. They're going to get right. plays. Just do your job. And I think they they had a chance to pick off another pass, the uh, touchdown to Tremer in the corner.
1: That oh, was yeah. just a great pass. Like. Yeah. The, the high one, about the one he threw up yes. in the air? Yeah.
2: The room to get that in. Like, yeah.
1: And Brett yeah. Favre
2: just made a great pass, and yeah. made a great catch. So yeah. you have to have that type of plan where you make it hard. You know you're going to give up, but we're going to hit C.J. Stroud. Yep. We're going to keep hitting him, making him get up. We're going to stop Travion Henderson, and
1: then when we give up the big plate, that's all right. Yeah. Everybody. And make C.J. make those. Great throws, those, those great make, throws. Because yeah. Yeah. like that, that's I'll still say that was one of the five best throws the quarterbacks ever made. Was that throw he that that touchdown pass Antonio Freeman? You know what I'm talking? about? It's like kind of back in. It's like how? Yeah, man, come on, man. Yeah, like there aren't many quarterbacks to make that they can before. do that. Yeah, no, but make him make those throws. Because if you're making him make those throws, then there's going to be other times he can't make that throw, and that's going to be the key, mm-hmm. right? And that's what they couldn't do against Clemson in 2018. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they, they made Clemson made some big plays, but Notre Dame couldn't counter it with the big plays of their own.
2: Like the you big know? play they made to get back in the game, uh, which was – it was just schemed well, right? They motioned in. They ended up putting their best receiver on Sean Crawford. Off coverage, free release. He gets around them. And it's really Sean's playing catch-up. And they get a free touchdown that gets them pretty much control. Yeah, and that was the, the 2020
1: championship game. 2020. I was I was going back yeah. to 2018 okay. where they got some big plays, but they just couldn't force – they got some stops, they couldn't force the turnovers. The turnovers. Right? Like yeah. Notre Dame turned the ball over, missed those – out. you know, Chase <laughs> dropping the third down pass, and, you know, taking a sack and fumbling instead of and climbing fumbling. and blowing the poster out the yes. weekend. Right? When the big plays were there for Notre Dame to be made, they didn't make them. The defense made them, but the, even that game, the defense di- couldn't get the ball back when they needed to get the ball back. This defense yeah. is gonna have to do that, but again, yeah. no name has played two elite offenses similar to Ohio State in past years, and they held you know 31 and 30 points. They they you know they can do it, it's just they yeah. got to do it again, yeah, and that's gonna be yeah. a big key because yeah. they actually forced ter- ter- Trevor into an early interception, an early turnover. Hey, yeah, in the, in the it was, it ACC was a cover game, yeah, they, they showed him something, yeah. Linebacker drop. Right, he was not expecting deflected. Drew White to be deflected. there. Yeah, and so he had to throw it high. Yeah, and it sailed, and then Kyle picked it off. Yep. Correct. It's great. It's a great play call. Great play call. Let's get to the last few. We got a super chat from Mark Stewart. Thank you, Mark. Do you have any info on the uniforms? No, seriously, Mark why are you why are you playing me like this, man? I mean, come on, we're supposed to be buddies. And no, seriously, does a good coach play the disrespect card with his team, or is that a fan thing? I think he can. He got to do it right though. You can't play the disrespect card like for six months there's a time and a place for it and like for the first three weeks of camp sean i'm not talking about disrespect but the closer and closer i get that i don't care what espn says right now i don't care what you know anybody else says right now but i'm not gonna lie to you as you get closer to game week i'm looking for that edge do y'all know that they're they don't think you they don't think you belong here yeah they, you know, and you know, they don't think you can play with this team. They yeah. think we should just pack it in and not even play this game. You know, like even our own fans think we're gonna get blown out. You know what I mean? Like, I'd play though, I'd find like that one person on Twitter, a Notre Dame fan on Twitter or on a message board that predicts a blowout. Like, even Notre Dame fans think you're gonna get blown out. And I wouldn't, I don't want him to do that, but I probably would do that. I hope he doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, but you know how I am, that's how I would have done. Yeah. But like I would I would play that up as you get closer to the game. You know, I mean like I said, Lou Holtz did that. Remember that speech we played last week? That was right before the Michigan game. It was about respect. Yeah. yeah. And earning respect. Yeah. And that's what I say it's it's the disrespect card is meant to not get you emotionally angry for the game that you want to go fight somebody. Yeah. It's meant to get you in the frame of mind where I'm going to go show the world that we can do what you say we can't do. Right. And so I think you got to play it right, Sean. You're not trying to get anger out of your players. Right. You're trying to get them to play with an edge, a chip on their shoulder. Well, that's the key.
2: I'll say this. I think for the competitor, the players, I think it hit them before you even start talking about Ohio State. The competitor for a guy like Clarence Lewis, as soon as that Oklahoma State game was over, if he's a competitor, he, that's all the motivation he needed. Seeing J.D. Bertrand sit up there and explain we were prepared, we just didn't get the job done, that's all the motivation he needed. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even have to think about Ohio State. This is about us. Mm-hmm. This is yep. about us. This is what we're taking into the spring. This is why we get up early yep. and work out. Yep. That right there, not wanting to feel that again. And now that fuels us, and carries us into the spring, right. And into fall camp. And in fall camp, when it gets to a certain point, now we blaze a focus in on the task at hand which yeah. is September
1: third. Yeah. but it
2: has to be about you first. It yeah. can't be about Ohio State. And
1: that's the point. It's yeah. not that it's not that the disrespect card to me is meant to be about us, yes, if I'm looking at it from a coaching standpoint, yeah, it's not meant to be. Like you know, like I don't care if it's about CJ Stroud. I don't care. It it's you know what it goes back to? We had a nice little fun conversation last week where you and I got pretty fired up when we yeah. played that stuff from Lou. Yeah, you know, don't you come at me now, right? right. You know, right. But it was about earning respect. It wasn't about Michigan. He never said the words Michigan. Right. He talked about Bo later, but it was somehow about how Bo saying, We can't do this, we can't do that. We're gonna go show him. Right. It can't be it, it, it you know. So, so and then you had your little. Little, you know, as I called you afterwards and said it was like it was the it was a Sean Davis equivalent of of B-Rabbit in the final rap battle. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm still here screaming the free world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I don't care. You can win all the titles. We're still Notre Dame. I'm still here. You know what I mean? Screw you. Right. We're still Notre Dame. Right. Uh, And, you know, it, it just you can say I know all the stuff you got to say about me. Right? Yeah. Like I know all the stuff you got to say about me, but I'm going to use that as fuel because I got something for you. Right. And I think that's when I say the disrespect or it's that. It's like, you know what? This is the game you've been waiting for. Yeah. You don't want them to say that you're a 15 and a half point underdog anymore? Yeah. Go do it. And it, you right. know, it's kind of like, you know, the if I, if I could think of like a speech to give, it, it'd be it from a movie. It's it's um it'd be from Miracle. Yeah. yeah when he was like, this is your chance. Take it. Yes. This is your chance to shut everybody up. Take it. It ain't about Ohio State. It ain't no. about C.J. Stroud. It ain't no. about Ryan Day. It's about you. you, Hey, Foskey, this ain't about Paris Johnson. This is about you. And that's what it's got to be, because you're Notre Dame. And that was the whole point behind what we talked about last week. Lou Holtz understood that it was about getting them to understand Notre Dame. Yes. And taking pride in the in the and it's not even real about Notre Dame because there have been plenty of teams that weren't that way, but it's it's the aura, it's the tradition. They don't say what tradition matters, it's because you have set a bar that the greats have, have set, and now it's up to you to live up to that because you're putting on that gold helmet. And that's what it's about. It's, yeah. Ohio State didn't set the standard, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's time to change it. Yeah, And that's what I think is in front of this football team.
2: And that's why it was so beautiful. It's a lot of different places. Coach Holtz could have been a lot of different mindsets he could have been in when he had the opportunity to speak to the team. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful the direction he chose. Mm -hmm. He didn't mention Ohio State. You're talking about the one he did the other day. This past week with the newspaper. They're gonna try to do. They're gonna try to rip you apart. Mm-hmm. They're gonna to try to separate you. But nope. if you stick together, he made it about us, right? If you stick together,
1: magic can happen. Right. That's right. Like it's us. Yeah. That's it. And, and that's what players would say. Like during Miami week, it was that way. It was about right. you. It's not about Miami. It's about you. But yeah. right before the game,
0: he had a little swap. No, but it talk was talk always about, it, yeah. about
1: developing that edge that confidence in yourself that I don't care because you need to develop that edge and that confidence. Because again, Ohio state will make a run. Yeah. Miami made a run. Florida state made a run in 93. Miami made a run in 88. Right. But the difference is, is those Notre Dame teams answered the challenge. And it wasn't about Miami. It was about you. Hey, They're going to make a run. Doesn't matter. You do you. And that's what I loved about those Holtz teams, especially in those big games. That's why Lou was the master of winning big games. Like most of the bad losses they had were teams like, how the heck did they lose to Stanford? Yeah, Stanford. They weren't even ranked. You know what I mean? Like how that's that's the team you lost to. Yeah. You know, and and that, but the big games he was going to have them ready.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's the thing is they got to be loose, but they got to be pissed.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's the thing. And how do you find that balance, right? And pissed can't be angry because angry is emotional, and emotional means mistakes, right? Yeah. Pissed is more of like okay, okay, all right. I got something for you. You want yeah. to make me fifteen point under? Okay, I got something for you right now. Yeah. Right. That's the difference. And to me, I like a team that plays a little pissed off. I don't want a team mm-hmm. that plays angry because angry is emotional, yeah. and I don't want an emotional team. I want a discipline focused pissed off team. Yeah. And that's the difference. They play that way. They got a shot. And now the key to tell us a lot about Marcus Freeman is, does he know how to push the buttons to get them to that point?
2: Now, I will say out. this. What, they had uh, refs, a ref crew on the field yesterday. They went loud noise for two periods. And this goes back the first time we reported that they didn't have any penalties when they went noise. That was without referees. You had referees yesterday, they had two penalties when the third string got on the field. Mm -hmm. The first unit is locked in, Mm -hmm. both sides of the ball. Second unit locked in. Third unit got in, they had some false starts and some other procedural things that they got flagged. Oh, and the personal foul on Logan Diggs for getting up and Hitting Ben Morrison because he was oh, mad he got tattooed on the play, but I love that. I was like, oh, I could, yeah, I want to see my freshman mixing yeah. it up like that. Yeah. So they're locked in. From I'm, I'm telling, I'm t- trying to tell Irish fans this team, they are honestly with the injuries and where they are now. I think they're like, yo, we fast forward, we can play them tomorrow. Like, listen. Let's go. Like we yeah. forget going to the horseshoe. Bring them to the local park yeah. down right. the street. Or we can go to the local park down the street right. from the stadium in Columbus. We let's play tomorrow. Yeah.
1: And if this team has a leadership that we hope it does, Sean, they don't need the coaches to tell them that they're 15 and a half point underdogs. No. no. That nobody thinks they can play with this team. No. It's about how can you harness it? No. And that's the key. Like they're not yeah. sitting there like Freeman walks in, and was like, y'all know you're fi- We're fifteen and a half point underdogs. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Like they know, they know yeah. you just got to figure how to harness it. And that's yeah. going to be interesting and that's going to make it fun. And that's what we're going to find out here. Um, we'll be uh, in two weeks from today, Sean, you're going to be sitting in the stands and I'm going to be sitting in the press box and we're going to be about a half an hour away, hour away from like, okay, it's time to see, no, time I'm to see. Telling
2: you, I'm telling you now, my brother, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm telling you if that clock is ticking down and we're icing the game away. You you guys might have to come bail me out because I'm I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking. No, I, I don't I'm care. Gonna I, have to, I have a
1: couple of buddies at the game that I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to bring a lot of extra cash to that game. You are correct. Hey, That's sorry right. everybody, I won't be at the post game show. Why not? Yo, I gotta go bail Sean out of jail. Absolutely, my buddy Jason uh, out of jail. So sorry, I'm y'all.
2: Talking. Yeah, I'm talking. Like, yo, what's good? Y'all real quiet right now. Real quiet. Yeah. What's up? I play Snoopy. Play Snoopy. <laughs> dot this eye. Dot this eye right here. Dot the eye on yeah. this win. That's yeah. what you dot right yeah. there. I got all the jokes lined up. Yeah. Well, hopefully,
1: you're, hopefully you're able to. It's It's gonna make for an epic post game show. That's for sure. So uh, we'll we'll definitely have that. But um, but you know, look, they're they're capable of doing it. They just got to do it. That's the thing. Hey. They gotta be. They gotta be about it right I don't talk about it be about it but I, i'm a fan of doing i was a fan of doing both i did both i like to do both i like to talk i, was, I wanted to tell you what i was about to do to you and then do it to you i mean that's just kind of how i how i was and they want to talk they can talk as long as the talk doesn't distract them from being about it and they right. just got to be about it if they can be about it then this is going to be a fun a fun game fun two weeks and it's gonna be a fun season because that's what was missing from notre dame in the last 12 years well 25 30 years they didn't have that edge they didn't have that edge. We didn't have a Notre Dame football team that had players top to bottom that had the belief that we're Notre Dame. I don't care who you are. They were like that a lot of times, but not all the time. Yeah. And then coaches that ha- were able to then put them in position to get the most out of them. That's that's where it's at.
2: But, yeah, I think that's the regular uniforms, they'll probably come out with the normal road mm-hmm. uniforms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just busting my chops because we have people that are always asking, like, uh, super chats for about – What's the latest on the uniform? So Mark's always giving me a hard time. That's my man right there. Well, remember that, Mark. Remember that. So that's gonna do it for today's show. I think it's a great way to end it, right? Right, Sean. I mean, just be about it, man. Go get that. You got an opportunity, seize it. It's up, it's up to oh, you. Man, it's up to you. So there we go. the prep
2: dude, you're probably gonna hear this again. There's no pressure on Notre Dame.
1: Mm-mm. No,
2: none. None. Yep, let that that's gonna do it. Hit though, let that fourth yep. quarter hit the scoreboard yep. is the wrong way. <laughs>
1: hey, you need to make sure no, don't let the fourth quarter hit. Let the fourth quarter wind down because that's the one thing about Ohio State is, I mean, they, they can strike quick. You know, you got you got to it's got to be sixty minutes. It's got to be sixty minutes, and it's gonna be a battle. And I cannot wait. You can't wait. Uh, but uh, anyway, looking forward to it. So Sean, that's gonna do it, man. Another I think this might be our longest show ever. I think we have set a record. We're just getting for started show man. ever. But yes, tremendous show started. as always. For Sean Davis, I'm Brian Driscoll. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Uh, we are gonna start save putting super chat money aside to bail Sean out when that time <laughs> comes. Uh, there's no doubt. Hit that like button, like button, everybody. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Share the podcast. Sign up for the message boards, boards. on Irish Breakdown.com. Appreciate y'all, every everybody, for being with us today for so long. To the two hundred plus people that stuck with us for four hours, y'all are amazing. Y'all are why we are here doing what we are doing. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast.